Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Welcome to Radiant Life Church, those joining us in person and online. Uh, the sermon, as Pastor Angel said, it's going to start in just a second. But before it does, man, I want to keep this attitude of gratitude, this thankfulness. And I want to celebrate what God did last week on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, here, I want you to do me a favor. If you enjoyed that opener last week with Lion and Connor sharing some uh, scripture through that, would you do me a favor? And would you put your hands together? That was fire right there. So good. Keep the hands going. Last week, last week, we had, hear me on this, we had 68 people commit to following Jesus last week. Let's go. And I feel like every Easter I get to say this, and it's so cool because, man, it's a way for us to continue to celebrate our total attendance in person and online. Last week was 635. Let's go. Now, I know some of you are like, hey, but uh, preacher, it's not about the numbers. It's not. But it's a way for us to be able to celebrate. 11 years ago, we were averaging 60 people, right? And so now we just broke that 600 barriers. The first time this church has ever done that, and we've existed for 93 years, okay? And so what a powerful testimony of God's goodness, amen? And so now we find ourselves jumping into a brand new sermon series entitled The Power of Choice but choose wisely, right? And over the next, hear me on this, you're gonna get used to this graphic because you're gonna see it for the next 10 weeks, all right? So if you're like, man, I don't want the power of choice. I just want the choices to be made for me. Um, Then over the next 10 weeks, it it may be a little difficult for you. But over the next 10 weeks, we're gonna be unpacking different different topics. And today we're gonna be looking at the, the power of choice for us to be able to choose to be set apart, we have, the, we have the choice to choose to be set apart. The, one of the theme verses for us is Joshua 24, uh, 15. And it says, it says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose, right? Here's the power of choice. Then you choose for yourselves. This is Joshua saying, listen, listen, you have the power of choice. You get to choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, they served through the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so you see, we get to choose ourselves, but will we choose wisely? And Joshua had already made the choice, right? He knew when he set out the challenge because he doubled down on it. Like, listen, me and mine, we're going to serve. We're all in. Like we're following after God and who he is. And here's why this series is so important. And here's why it has the opportunity to change our lives. Because our lives right? Our present right now reflects the choices that we've made in the past, right? The choices that we've made have gotten us to the place that we are in the present, which means to change our future, we must change our choices, right? To change our future, we have to change our choices. And this morning we're talking about what does it mean to be set apart. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite verses of all time. We're going to be looking at verses one through two this morning. It says, I, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember, not God's fear, but of his mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So worship is, and I love that we just had a moment of worship through singing, right? Through the posture of raising of hands or, or kneeling low or putting ourselves in a position of standing or sitting to be able to worship. But there's also worship when we offer our lives holy and pleasing to God. And in verse 2, here's, here's hopefully you're catching the heart of today's message. Do not conform to the pattern. Do not conform to the habits. Do not, do not conform to the style of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Right, I think about the toys you used to play with, the movies, right? Transformers, right? It's a car, now it's a robot. It's a truck, now it's a robot. There was a complete transformation. And this is what God wants for us, a transformation by the renewing of our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. If we want to live set apart, then we have to check our patterns, right? If we want to live set apart, we have to check our patterns. Pastor Angel and I have been married for almost 27 years. And uh, yeah, let's, come on. I will say this, you want to know how you get to 20, almost 27 years of marriage? You come to the marriage class that's happening on midweek, on mid, during midweeks uh, that she is teaching, all right? And so you make sure you come and see uh, all the things that uh, I have done wrong and she's done right, and you'll know how we've stayed together. Um, but we have three beautiful daughters, and uh, this mo- April is a busy month for us because we have two birthdays, and so I realized that I have two children that are b- now both adults, right? They're no longer teenagers. And then yesterday, having a conversation with Olivia, who just had her birthday, so happy birthday, beautiful. And um, she goes, she was like, guys, next year at this time, I'm going to be an adult. And I was like, oh, help me Jesus, right? Like this is a scary moment. I have three adult children. Like I don't know how time has flown by, but, but all of my daughters, my wife, they're, they're fashionistas, right? They, they know what to buy. They, they understand like, oh, I can wear this pattern with this pattern. Like somehow they can pull off like polka dots with stripes. I don't understand it. They're like, hey, if I wear this pair of pants, then I need to wear this style of shirt. And if I wear this shirt, this is how my hair got to be. And it, I can straighten it. I can curl it. Or I can put these shoes on or I accessorize with this piece or these, these earrings. And I'm just like, I just got dressed. Like, let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord there. Like, I just found clothes and I put them on. And so understand, understand this. Like, if, if you see me up here and you go, he looks 47, I dress myself. If you see me up here and I look 37, that means my wife or kids picked out my outfit. That's, that's, that's how you know what's happening, right? Because you'll just see something different. You see, when I was young, when I was in elementary school, man, I just loved to play sports. And so I wore sweatpants every day. Like, go to school, sweatpants. I was LL Cool J. I had one up, one down. I didn't care. Like, judge me all you want. And I was in. And that's all I wore. And then I got to junior high. And my dad had lost his job. And so we were broke. And so I went to, school shopping was Hills and Gold Circle. How many of y'all ever went shopping at Hills or Gold Circle? Yeah. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about because the stores were so bad, they're all out of business. All right? The only, the only great thing about going to those stores were, were the soft pretzels and the slushies. That was it. The clothes, not very good. But then I got to high school. And in high school, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should care a little bit more about how I dress. And so I became a little stuck up in my dress because I would only wear clothes that came from the mall. And if I couldn't go to the mall to get my clothes, then I don't want to wear those clothes. And so then I had to make sure it all matched and the fit had to be perfect. And so you're going to see a picture in just a moment. So I'm going to be up there for a minute because I don't want to have you vomit this morning that long. So check out this picture. Let's go. Come on. 
Yes, that is not my junior high picture, that is my senior picture. And no, I never had to shave in high school, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. All right, you can take that picture down now because I don't want to, uh, yeah, again. But here's the deal, right? I, had, I only wore guest jeans or Zeke Cavaricis, like I was trying to be cool. Uh, that's a Nautica shirt, and I don't know if you caught it, but anybody catch how I had yellow socks on? Everybody see the yellow popping through? Like my socks had to match my shirt. And then I had to put them in my Timberland boots because that's just who I was. And so that's how I would shop. And you may look at that picture and you're like, Pastor Lance, I, I want you to know that, that that's a great picture from about 30 years ago, but your pattern is really bad. Like that pattern and the color scheme, it didn't fit then and it probably still doesn't fit now. And so maybe you disagree with my patterns, but here's what I know about patterns in my life and in your life. The patterns you choose influence the progression of your life. Right, the patterns that you choose influence the progression of your life. So you, when you figure out, like, here I am and I want to go here, it will be those patterns that decide that progression. Aristotle said it this way, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. I love this quote that, that thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character becomes destiny. Right? What, starts, what starts with a word ends up as a destiny. And maybe you find yourself in a position this morning where you're like, ah, the choices I have made have gotten me to the place that I find myself, but I'm not content nor satisfied. And, and maybe even I'm not really happy with where I'm at. Some of the choices I've made in my marriage have not helped my marriage. They've hurt my marriage. Some of the choices I've made financially have put me in a position when the offering is taken, I feel guilt and shame because I'm not able to give because I've made poor financial decisions along the way. Or maybe you struggle with relationships or health. Right? You were here last week and you were like, are we having a donut wall every week? I voted for it. I got shut down because everybody knows that I'll eat 10 Krispy Kremes because why just have one if you could have a dozen? It just doesn't make sense to me. But, but maybe it, we, we look back and we go, man, it's, it's the choices it's the choices that I've made. And looking back over my life, and I'm sure looking at the lives of others, one thing I've learned is this, is that worldly patterns produce temporary satisfaction and long-term consequences. Worldly patterns produce temporary satisfactions and long-term consequences. Here's how I know, right? I'm going to do a little demonstration. Okay, this one, at the end of service, I'll tell you not to look around. This one, I want everybody looking around. You ready for this? How many of you in the room have ever made a poor choice? If the person next to you does not have their hand up, that means they're an infant and have not had a choice yet to make, or they're a bold-faced liar in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. All right, but, but here's the deal. We've all made poor choices. And so I know that the patterns of this world have temporary satisfaction, but long-term consequences. I'm going to share one of my poor choices, one of many. I've made lots. Freshman year at The Ohio State University. It's Friday night. Everybody's going out. Like, yeah, let's go out. And so it's like apartment row. If you've ever been to Ohio State, like there's apartments everywhere and students rent them and they rent them. And then I walk into this house and everybody's just partying and have a good time. And I walk in and there was a cooler on the ground and there was fruit in the cooler. I love fruit. Okay. It's hot. I want to have fruit. And so there's a ladle and I get some fruit. And I put it in a cup and I grab the fork and I'm like, this is amazing fruit. That was my introduction to what's called a hairy buffalo. And I said, hey, what is, what's, what's the fruit soaking in and how long has this fruit been soaking? And they're like, ah, probably about 24 hours. 
It's like, yeah, what's in the cooler with the fruit? Well, it's a mix of tequila, rum, and vodka. Oh, great. And so I just kept eating. And I was like, this fruit is like the best fruit I've ever had. And I just kept eating. And I went and got another cup. And I kept eating. And I went and got another cup. And about an hour and a half later, I was sick as a dog. I was throwing up everywhere. I had to be carried back to my dorm room, which I threw up all night and woke up in a pool of my own vomit. And then for the next two days, I was still sick and my head hurt and I was angry and I was frustrated and I never left my dorm room. And some of you are like, why are you sharing this story? Why share this story about your poor choices? Because here's, here's what I understand is that what seems good at first may not always make you better. Right? What seems good at first may not always make you better. And so how do we make the right choice instead of the wrong choice? How do we say yes to the right thing and no to the wrong thing? How do we, how do we before we ever process to make a decision or to make a choice, how do we evaluate in our mind, how will this impact my life? Who is this choice going to affect? Because here's what I know. Every choice you make has an impact in somebody else's life. By me doing this, how will this impact my character? Is this the godly choice for my life? Is this helping me to be set apart or is this helping me to conform? And so what do we do? How can we apply the right choice to our life? Because here's what I know is you just don't wake up an addict. No one woke up and went, you know what? Today, the day of all days, today's the day where I will become an alcoholic. Like above anything else, my, my only desire in life is to choose to, to, to overconsume and for it to destroy my life. No, what happens is you go, you know what? It's the weekend. It's a social gathering. It's fine. And then from that social gathering, you go, you know what? It's only on the weekends. And then from weekends, you go, man, you know what? I'm, I'm really stressed Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday at work. And so when I get home, I need something to take the edge off. And so, so I just begin consuming more and more and more. And then you have a temporary satisfaction because then it's never enough. And so you have to consume more. And then as you're consuming more, you're going, man, oh, I'm not sure I like this. And so you try to stop. But then you know you're, you're, you're like a mad freak. Ah, consume. And you're like, I can't stop. And so then you only consume more and more and more until you hopefully get to the place that you go, how did I get here? And then you hopefully come to the realization what seemed good at first did not make you better. It made you bitter. And so for us, it's like, man, why, why am I making the choices that I'm making? And so how do we live a life set apart? I want to give you some things this morning. In the book of Daniel, uh, early on, we read of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? We've already decided in the first service that Emily, Pastor Emily, is naming her child Nebuchadnezzar because we just don't hear that anymore. So that one's taken. So sold. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar is king of Babylon, And Babylon has gone to war. They've overthrown Jerusalem. And now the king says, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into Jerusalem. I want you to go and I want you to bring all of the capable men, all these young men, and I want you to be able to bring them back. And and what we're going to do when you bring them back is we're going to teach them our customs. And so they bring back Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And the first thing that they do is change their names to Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then from there, they they start teaching the patterns and the customs. Hey, if you're going to be a part of Babylonian culture, here's how you act. 
If you're gonna be a part of our world, here's your patterns, here's your new way of living, here's your speech, here's your actions, here's your patterns. We want you to do what we do because our way will, will always be better than your way. And the more that you look at this story, the more you become a part of the story. That you're a foreigner in this messed up world. That you are labeled a different name. That you are expected to live like everybody, expected to act like everybody. And you, you start realizing, this sounds like I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm so grateful that I am not a citizen of this world. Right? That, that my, my ownership is with the, king, the kingdom of heaven and God himself. And the story goes on to say that King Nebuchadnezzar builds a giant statue, 90 foot tall, gold. And he brings a decree and when the king brings a decree, it's like, hey, this is what you're going to do. And so he makes this decree that when the music starts, you all bow. And you will bow to the idol. You will bow to this statue. If you don't, you will go into a furnace. And so now these Hebrew, these Hebrew men have a decision they're going to make. They get, to the, they get to the part of their life where many of us find ourselves, which is the power of choice. And they have a choice to make. And they choose not to bow. Nope, it's not going to be for me. I'm not going to bow to this idol. And so now all of a sudden, some, some commotion's happening. And some of the king's officials are like, hmm, you. How come everybody else is in this position of bowing? But the, these three Hebrew boys, how come you're not bowing? And so they go to the king and they snitch. And they're like, king, we just want you to know. These boys right here, we brought them over. They were doing what they were supposed to do. I know you value them. You appreciate them. But they're not willing to follow our patterns or our customs. And they have chosen not to bow. And they get a second chance. And here's the response in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. Right? He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And now all of a sudden the king is angry, he's mad, he's frustrated, he has the furnace turned up to well done, which is the only proper way to eat a steak. And then from there, it's seven times hotter. Some of you are catching that because if you ever heard me, that's the only way I eat steak. You can judge me, but I'm not going to get mad cow disease, okay? Now understand that the king is mad, he throws him into the furnace. The king's like, pops up and he's like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Didn't we put three people in here? I see four, we put three in, but I see four, and the other one looks like a son of the gods. And so now the king goes, hey, why don't we bring them out? And they bring them out, and now all of a sudden they're getting, they're getting looked at. And the story tells us that, that they, didn't have a, they didn't have a mark on them, there was no burns, and that they didn't even smell like smoke. And I love how it ends in Daniel chapter 3, verses 29 through 30. Remember, there was a decree, if you don't bow, here's what happens. Now the king issues a different decree. It says, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God, right, this is no longer God, lowercase, any other God, this is the God, the creator of the world, the heavens and the earth, the na- this, is, this is big G God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted right? So you see obedience leading to blessing. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They said no to bowing to a statue. And I believe for many of us, we are one no away from saying yes to experiencing life. You are one no away 
from saying yes and experiencing the life that God has for you, an abundant life, a life that is flowing in full. You're one no away from saying yes. Only if you could say no to that pattern, if only you could say no to that choice, if only you could say no to those friends, if only you could say no to that thought, what would be different in your life? Right, let that sink in for a minute. Because then we, we realize we don't have to conform to the patterns. We have a choice not to conform and, and we can push past what our friends are doing. And, and, and even this, we can push past and make a choice for what our families have been doing for generations and generations and generations. My great-grandfather, alcoholic. My grandfather, alcoholic. My mother, still an alcoholic. Son, on his path, redeemed that my children, no alcohol, right? And so we're stopping that pattern or the, that, that conforming to, but that's what happens when we choose not to bow. And so that's what all of us can do. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. You can choose not to bow. So the question that I have for you this morning is what things have you chosen to bow to that are holding you captive? What have you chosen to bow to that is holding you captive? Because choosing not to bow is a commitment. It's not going to be easy. And the king offers a second chance. The music plays and they don't bow. And their response was, listen, you could threaten us all you want. We don't even have to justify this to you, king. But we want you to know it means nothing to us. I think too often we're way too quick to bow. Whether it's fear, whether it's a potential of a threat, we're like, no, I'm just going to give in and I don't, I'm going to succumb to this and I, just, I, just, I don't want anybody else to think badly of me or poorly of me and so I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. And I think it's time for us to stop negotiating with the things that are terrorizing our life. I think it's time for us to, to stop giving into or bowing to the things that are holding us captive and in, in, in creating this, this pattern for us that we feel stuck. I think it's time for us to stop bowing. I think it's time to, to begin to peel back the darkness and stake the claim for the freedom that is offered through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, no, not today. I'm not bowing. Hey, no way. I'm not bowing to that fear. I'm not bowing to that doubt. I'm not bowing to that drug. I'm not bowing to that toxic relationship. I'm not bowing to that drink. I'm not, I'm not bowing to sending that nude. Oh, I'm sorry. I, different room. Right? I'm not bowing to whatever it is that somebody is asking me to do that would make a choice for me to conform to a pattern that I don't want to be a part of. And so we, we have to choose not to bow. Why is it that we choose to bow to what doesn't matter when you can stand on what does matter? Right, like, I can tell you this. I love when I have an opportunity to pre preach to high schoolers, and I'm like, listen, the friends you have now, you're gonna, they're great, and that's awesome, but they're probably not going to be your friends for the rest of your life. And then you get some great friends in college, and may, maybe a few of them will. But we conform because we want to fit in. And in reality, the person that we want to be able to conform to be more alike because we are created in his image is the perfect son, Jesus. And so why do we bow to things that don't matter instead of stand on what does matter, which is his word? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means you don't have to bow to it, but it does have to bow to him. Yes. Let that sink in. You, you don't have to bow to it, whatever that it is, but it does have to bow to him. There is authority that comes in the name of Jesus. It's in that name that is above all any name, and it's in that name that every knee will bow. And so whatever you are experiencing or walking through, let me know, it will bow to the name of Jesus. 
And so do we bring that kind of authority with us, saying, man, I'm going to make this choice because I have the power to choose. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a puppet. I'm not a robot. He gives me the power. But here's what I love. When he gives us the power to choose, he gives us the power to say yes. And he gives us the power to say no. Because it's his spirit that's alive within each and every one of us. So choosing not to bow is a sacrifice. These young men had positions. They had to sacrifice what people would think about them. They had to sacrifice what the king would think about them. But they were willing to sacrifice their lives. Here's what I find interesting. That Jesus, I don't believe Jesus is asking any of us if we would die for him. But I do believe he's asking us if we would live for him. Right? Do we have the passion of our heart that says, God, man, I'm all in. I'm on team Jesus and I'm willing to go wherever it is that you want me to go. The great news is that not all sacrifice is bad. But in order to see what you want to see, then you will need to sacrifice some things. Like for instance, our special missions project. I know I share all the time about it. I'm passionate about it. Right? We're, we are, have a goal of $25,000. That $25,000 will go to build a birthing center in the country of Tanzania And then I've mentioned that $25,000 is going to be matched. And you're like, 50 grand, yes, no. It's going to be matched up to three quarters of a million dollars. So that way that birthing center has all of the equipment and all of the technology because one in every three children die at birth in the country of Tanzania because they don't have the proper medical care. And so the sacrifice is, and I've broken down, the math is if every adult gave $8 a month for 10 months, then we would reach our $25,000 goal if every adult. Now, some of you are like, that doesn't seem like a big sacrifice. For others, that's huge, and that, that's a large sacrifice. But, but here's what I want you to know, when we're, why this is so important to make that sacrifice, because you sacrifice now so that you can live better later. So when you sacrifice now, re- think of this. There will be children, hundreds of millions of babies that are born because of your sacrifice. So what we have here in the present they will now have in the future because of your generosity. But we have to be willing to sacrifice now so that we can live better later. So my question is, is what are you willing to sacrifice? Or what are some of the things you need to sacrifice? See, sacrifice, maybe not going to that place anymore. Maybe you have to sacrifice not bowing to that temptation anymore. Maybe you have to sacrifice to not watching that show anymore. Or maybe you need to sacrifice being around that person anymore. And here's why this is so important. The difference between conviction and compromise is so often the crowd we choose. Right? The difference between conviction and compromise is so often in the crowd that we choose. And so that's why that choice is so important. So next, the thing that we can pull out of the story, if you're taking notes, is you can choose not to go into the fire alone. They were thrown in together. Right? They were in this together. The king's alarmed. And I want you to know this morning... Who, who are you going with? Right? Who are you going with? Who's going with you? The fire is going to come, and you're going to need people on your team who are willing to pray with you, who are willing to walk with you, who are willing to run with you, who are willing to stand with you, who are willing to walk with you when that fire happens, who are willing to help you say no. Because if our only sphere of influence is always telling us, yes, 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 do whatever you want, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, then we may have the wrong sphere of influence. Because there are times in our life the people who love us most may say, I don't know if that's the wisest choice for you to make. And we need those people in our lives who will challenge us as well as walk with us. 
And so who's going with you? One of the loneliest times of my life was when Bree was being diagnosed. This was a fire for me with disease after disease after disease. That's our oldest daughter. And I felt so alone. There were times where I, 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 want, I just felt like I wanted to give up and this wasn't fair. Like it didn't make sense to me. And there, there was a, a friend of ours in Cincinnati. He would, he would constantly text me, hey, how you doing? How you holding up? How can I pray for you? He would send gift cards like, hey, go get pizza. Go get the family pizza. Go on out. Get a, have a date night with just your wife. He would send gift cards to Bree. Hey, Bree, I want you to go get lunch on me. Texted us one time, said, hey, when we were in the hospital, he said, hey, I'm willing to drive from Cincinnati to downtown Cleveland tonight if that's what you need. You see, friends like that are like the bumper lanes at a bowling alley. How many know what I'm talking about? Like when you, when you got little kids and some of you are like, little kids, don't judge my bowling. I put those up now. And so you put those bumper lanes up. And so when you throw the ball and it hits the bumper, it goes back to the right lane. And so often we need friends like that. When we feel like we're getting ready to go into the gutter, they give us a little nudge and they put us back in the right lane. And so we need those friends in our lives. We need those people who are gonna walk with us in those times of fire. If you choose not to bow, then you're gonna need to stand for something where you're gonna to need to stand with something that will keep you from falling. As we close today, I wanna to give you three things you can stand with. You must stand with God. You have to be willing to make God a priority. I know this was, it's probably true of the nine, probably not true of the 11, but they're not here, so we, we'll judge them. Um, but, but here's the deal. Why is it so often in life, we wanna get as close to the world as we could possibly get without touching it? But when it comes to following Jesus, we don't wanna to get too close to touch him. Right? We're, we're willing to conform here, but we're not willing to walk in obedience here. And I want you to know, man, if we're going to stand, we have to be willing to stand with God. We got to make him the priority, right? We got to dive into his word on a daily basis. We have to be willing to, to, to participate in his presence and show up and be involved. We have to be willing to serve. We have to be willing to say, God, I'm all in and you have all of me. And so we have to be willing to stand with God. Secondly is we must stand with community. It's not, a val it's not just a value, it's biblical, right? Here at Radiant Life Church, we value unity because we are better together. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? All throughout it. But here's what I notice when I read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Every time you hear their name, it's together. Because we're better together. A cord of three strands, not so easily broken, right? And so for us, we have to remember we're, we have to stand with community. And lastly, we have to choose to stand with others. And, and when I say others, you're like, well, didn't you just talk about community? I'm talking about the people that we, we will have an impact in in their life. I'm talking about our coworkers and our neighbors. I'm talking about those that we see in the marketplace. How will we impact their lives? Because once you receive, you want to give. And can I just let you know something too? It's okay to let others know, not in like on a humble brag or with a pride, but it's okay to let others know the fire that you've walked through. It's okay to share your story, your journey. It's okay to let other people know, hey, our marriage was falling apart. Here's the choices we made and we were found ourselves here, but here is how God restored us. Here's how he brought reconciliation and hope. Man, our finances, it, we were just drowning in debt. But I want you to know through generosity and through who God is, who owns the cattle on a thousand hill, man, all of a sudden we are debt free and we're living for his glory and we find so much hope in giving. It's okay to share your story. It's okay to let people know that you're sober. Amen. It's okay to let people know, man, I, was, I, I had wasted and I had 
gotten rid of everybody in my life and everybody was an outcast to me. And, and, and I was so far away from God, but here's the steps and the measures of God's grace and of his love that he picked me up and I'm no longer lost, but I am found. It's okay to let people know. So my question for you as we close is, will you choose to be set apart? Because when you choose to set, be set apart, you begin to live set apart because the natural byproducts of the fruit of the spirit begin to flow from you. Because understand something, church, being set apart is not an obligation, it's an opportunity. It's not an obligation like, oh, I have to. Like some of you, like old school, you thought a sermon on being set apart would be the preacher would give you the 15 sins you are not allowed to commit. Like, no, when I go to church on Sunday night, you can't do this, 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 you can't do this. And this is what will, if you do not do these things, you will be set apart. This is not about obligation. This is about opportunity. God is not looking for your performance. He's looking for your obedience. We don't have to perform for him. But if he says go, you go. If he says stop, you stop. If he says don't bow to that, you don't bow to that. So are we willing to to choose the opportunity to be set apart? Are we willing to choose love? Are we willing to choose peace? Are we willing to choose joy? Are we willing to choose hope? And are we willing to choose life and life more abundantly? So this morning as we close, I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. Again, this isn't because we're trying to do something shady. This is because we want you to have a personal moment with a personal savior. So if you're here this morning and you're like, ah, I wanna be set apart, but I don't even know where to start. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. It starts by saying, God, I'm all in with you and I want your, I want your spirit to live within me because I can't, I can't say no on my own. I consistently bow, but I don't want to. I wanna be able to stand on your word and on your promises, but I need your strength. It starts with surrender. So if you're here this morning with no one looking around and you wanna give your life to Jesus, because you're tired of bowing to the doubt, to the fear. You're tired of bowing to those choices. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand with no one looking around so we could pray for you this morning? Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus, I pray for every hand that is lifted, every heart that is open to you. Lord, I pray Lord, that, that today and in this moment, you would, you as they welcome you in would reside, that you would take up residency within their spirits. And Lord, that they, they would now have the same power that raised you from the dead within them, the power to choose not to bow, but to stand upon you, upon your hope, upon your love. So God, we admit and we confess our need for you. Do a mighty work in us and through us. As we close this morning, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, when you ask, am I willing to choose to be set apart? I wanna say yes, but there's some things in my life that I gotta stop saying yes to. So if you're here today and you wanna live set apart, as a sign of surrender, would you just raise your hand? Jesus, you see every hand. You see every hand. Help us, Lord, to be more like you, less like us. Lord, help us to go through a refining process where we can be so dirty and look like coal, but through the heat and through the pressure, you produce a beautiful sparkling diamond because it's about your goodness. So this morning, 
I want you to know you have the power to choose. And so maybe there's something within you that, man, I, you need to not bow to today, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna encourage you, take this next minute of worship and would you just surrender whatever that is to the Lord? Would you allow him to walk through a refining process with you? It's the old school worship chorus. So I don't want you to focus on the rhythm. I just want you to process through the words and be willing to be refined by him and through him this morning. Refiner's fire My heart's one desire Is to be Set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your Ready to do your 